The problem that salespeople in larger companies face is that a lot of the responsibilities are taken away from them. Welcome to another episode of Leading Matters. My guest today is Jeroen Kortout. He is in Belgium, although he is an American citizen, he tells me. I didn't know that before we started. Uh, born in the U.S. when his dad was working for Philips. And he spent quite some time in life sciences. He was a user of some CRM software. And now he st- has a startup called Salesflare. So we're going to get into quite a bit here about the nature of the disconnect between sales and marketing, the reality that the sales force finds themselves in today where they have to be micro-marketers, they have to be data-driven relationship builders. Those are Yarun's words, and I I like them, so I'm going to co-opt them. And I think what you're going to find, this is a a little bit more of a a tactical kind of, uh, not by the numbers, but more of a necessity of certain disciplines type of discussion. And I really think you're going to enjoy it, especially if figuring out how to get more out of your marketing or get your salespeople moving, or if you're on your own, if you're a solopreneur, entrepreneur, how I can get a little bit more serious about the disciplined nature of how I'm not documenting what I'm doing, because that's certainly important, but how can I do that with ease so that I can do what matters most, which is building out my network and connecting. And oh, by the way, none of this happens unless and until we have our mission clearly stated and we internalize that so we could believe in it more, because when we believe in it more, we're more believable, right? Lots packed in here with your runes, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Saleflare co-founder, Yarun Kortel. My guest today is on a mission to aid salespeople across the globe by leveraging the power of today's digital landscape to automate as much of the sales process as possible. Yes, to literally automate just about everything in sales with one important exception, irreplaceable human contact. In fact, you could argue that my guest is putting the humanity back into sales. And on to accomplish this vision, he founded the intelligent CRM platform Salesflare. And startups and small businesses are absolutely loving it. He is Yarun Kortout, and I am absolutely have him, happy to have him here today on Leading Matters. Yarun, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, happy to be on the show. So, Yarun, let's 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 get right into it. You know, the CRM landscape is is really, I think, one of the more fascinating areas of of automation and technology over the last twenty years or so. And it seems that there's a new wave that's kind of kind of bringing us back to actually helping the salesperson do their job. Can you help me understand what motivated you to, you know, you could have really started any kind of uh, yeah. application that helped people. But why, why CRM? Why did you decide to found Salesflare and get involved in CRM? Yeah, I um, actually, uh, I was working in marketing and sales um, and mostly on the marketing side, but also being a salesperson there. Uh, and I saw that lots of things in marketing are going really well. Um, there's lots of marketing automation going on and it's quite sophisticated. Um, marketers can, can really do, do crazy stuff. Uh, but in the sales, sales area, it's still lagging behind very much. Uh, as a salesperson, what we, what we daily have to do is, is we, we go to people. Um, then in the evening, we come home. Instead of talking to our kids, we, we fill out the CRM. We send follow-up emails. Uh, we do all kinds of reporting, uh, we plan, uh, and it's just too much. Um, and we were thinking when we were doing it, my co-founder and I, 
Um, we, we had a business intelligence software company at that point. Um, and, and we were looking at all our leads that we had and we were figuring like, how can we make our own life easier? What if we could automate the things we're, we're organizing here in, uh, at that point for us, it was a Google sheet, um, because we, we had been using CRM systems before and we were like, what, what is really the big advantage of the CRM? So we just took a, took a plain Google sheet. And then we started figuring that we, we were, we were keeping like when we, when we talk to people and about what and all those kind of things. And we figured this is already in your email system and it's already in your calendar and it's already in your phone. And there's information about these people on social media and there's information about the companies they work for. So we thought, what if we just pull, pull all that information together? Uh, and that's, that's basically where it started. Um, then we started integrating lots of things like, like tracking, like who opens emails, goes to the website and all these kind of things to also still have a feeling of, of what people are doing at the other side of your screen, let's say, at, at their screen. Um, and, and, and that's the beginning of Salesflare. And, and, and from there, it has grown now into a, a standalone sales CRM that automates most of the things we, we plan to automate in the beginning. Um, and, and we're going from there to automate more and more. Sure. So, you know, as you're describing that, and, and again, we spoke a couple weeks back, and you, this, again, this, I kind of call it CRM 3.0 almost, because it's like a third wave of CRM solutions here. And it seems to be almost taking us back to the days of, of desktop software that was completely focused on organizing a salesperson's job, you know, help making it easy for them, right? So I, I, I hear a little bit of that in there, and I also hear, obviously, making it simple to get access to all the information that I need to continue to prospect and get my deals into the funnel. But I'm curious, as you kind of embarked on this, and you obviously have you know, plenty of people using the software, have you discovered um, you know, the similarities in what makes a successful salesperson successful, right? Because what you're trying to do is help them make you take out the 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 monotony of, of what they need to do so they could do what they do really well but what is it what's the what's the thing that makes them good or great salespeople? yeah my opinion and it's 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 a bit um it's maybe something something you don't hear very often um but what i think is a salesperson should be um should be spending its time with with human stuff uh, like really building up relationships, um, and a lot of the the time of salespeople is not not exactly going to that at the moment. Um, so what we want to achieve for salespeople is that they can um, leave all the robotic tasks that they spend most of their day with uh, to a robot, and that they can spend their time being human with humans. Uh, that they can actually build relationships. Uh, that this is a is a much better time investment than all the other things they're doing. Um, I'm actually making a presentation about it now for the the, the sales summit tomorrow. Um, my main message in the presentation is that uh, people should 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 take the human side of sales up again, and and try to automate all the rest uh, because all the all, all the other things can be automated. Um, computers are much better at, at, at lots of tasks than a human is. Um, we're talking about data input. 
Uh, we're talking about automated emails. Uh, we're talking about um, um, planning and organizing things. Um, so you should leave that to a computer and and sure. and and yeah, yeah. Focus on I, on the on the on the conversations and the relationships. Yeah, no, I I hear that. It's it's interesting. I I majority of my career is spent in marketing. Um, as I'm, you know, I've been out on my own doing more strategic kind of consulting and I have to sell, right? And I supported sales my entire career, but now I find myself having to sell and I have a deep appreciation for what salesperson needs to do. And I, I, I was at a large, uh, well, they're not a client yet, but hopefully they will be, but very large. I'm not going to say their name yet because I haven't closed the, the business, but they're a large, uh, they're a large enterprise software company. You would certainly know the name. And they have a really great marketing machine. In other words, they generate a lot of quality leads, but they're frustrated because their sale and they have a big inside sales force and also a direct, you know, person to person sales force as well. But they're frustrated because the leads, even though their quality is decent and the quantity is uh, quite a bit, inside sales ends up prospecting more on their own 75 to 80% of the time rather than turning to those leads internally. And there's there's this that's not atypical, right? That's that's common of large organizations where even if the the uh, marketing is fantastic, sales is still prospecting to get leads into the pipeline because they don't consider it worth hunting until it's actually in the pipeline. So there's a gap. There's a gap in hey, what we do to market versus how we prospect. Do you have any thoughts about that? Because I know you you have the same experience. You've worked for larger companies. You've sold. You're getting the startup going. You're obviously doing some selling now to get people into the tool. So what do you think bridges that gap of good marketing versus early stage prospecting to get a deal into the sales funnel? I think I think that the, the answer is quite easy. Just working together better. But uh, I mean, marketing departments and sales departments need to sit together, and the salespeople need to say, "Oh, we need this kind of leads." Marketing can say, "Oh, we can bring the leads, uh, those kind of leads." Sales says, "Oh, that sounds good." And then, and then, uh, how do we qualify the leads? You look at it together. You define what a qualified lead is, uh, and then you you hand it over to salespeople in a in a good way. You don't just shoot out an email it's like hey this this guy did this it comes in the salesperson's mailbox no you can you can put it ready in um in your crm system for instance uh you can already set up an automated um email that the that the, the prospect first gets when the prospect answers the salesperson is selling right away um instead of instead of working working very separately separately as as, as departments uh, you can make this one one nice seamless experience where you decide together how it's going to work. Uh, I think that's that's the main issue that, that marketing and sales departments have now is that they're just not doing it together. Sure. Do you think that sales, because again, you, you deal with uh, mostly smaller companies and, and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, right? And what I find with them, I, I find that the, the gap isn't so great with them because they are both marketing and sales. So that natural cadence of connecting with the prospect and educating them and touching, you know, base with them and keeping that that connection warm, right? Is is just part and parcel for what they need to do for their own business. I mean, do you think they're at, a, at an advantage because they are responsible for both the marketing of what they do and selling? Certainly. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been thinking about this a lot uh, because tomorrow, for instance, I'm doing a presentation for uh, for larger companies. That the, the problem that salespeople in larger companies face is that a lot of the responsibilities are taken away from them. 
you cannot just say uh, to the salespeople, hey, uh, create some uh, nice content, share it with your um, with your prospects, uh, things they will appreciate. Uh, no, you need to. You're you're dependent on another person to do that for you. Um, it's even on. Um, you can do some stuff on social media, like you could you could get some things going on on Twitter. Um, but for instance, if you would like to do a, a LinkedIn post, uh, that's that's usually not allowed by the company, or, or they create it for you, um, and then it's it's pushed through some company account, but it doesn't um, create create a relationship per se between you as a salesperson and the customer, uh, which is which is a, a big blocking factor. Let's stay with that for a second, right? Because I like what you said there that a some company's policy is, hey, listen, we're going to do the social media, we're going to do the writing and, and whatnot, and we want you to share what we produce and, and not so much yourself. But yet on the other end of the spectrum, the smaller companies, the startups, the individual entrepreneur, the solopreneur, I mean, many times they are their own brand, right? And they're doing that. I mean, can't, do you think we could learn from, and, and again, I'm kind of stacking the deck a little bit. I'm kind of asking you a question I have an opinion on because I've seen that in that world, startups, smaller companies, uh, solopreneurs, that the flexibility to connect their personality with what they do really helps them establish their presence uh, more forcefully. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. And, and as a person, you have a much, much shorter feedback loop. So you can... You can uh present yourself in a certain way, you see it's not working, you change it. As a company, the feedback loop is usually bigger. That's that's one problem. Um, actually, I, I before this, I, I used to assist uh, mostly life sciences companies in this kind of matter, uh, working for a consultancy focusing on this. And um, what I saw during my projects is that there is in companies, there are different ways of looking at it. Uh, there's companies that look at a... Um, Let's say there's a central marketing uh, department that creates lots of stuff and then salespeople sell. Uh, but there's also companies that look at salespeople like micro-marketers uh, in the sense that um, the salespeople get fed by, with a lot of things they can use. Uh, and then they decide they are the ones who, um, who define the relationship there with the customers. They decide what they're going to send to whom, how they're going to use it. And all these tools are basically, all these tools and pieces of content are tracked and they have tools to um, to organize this all. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. So I, I like that term, micro-marketing, right? To, in other words, empower and enable the salesperson to kind of adopt that entrepreneurial spirit of their own book of business. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, because because they know their customers best, uh, and they can use the content in such a way that it that it actually builds a human relationship between them and the customer, uh, reflecting obviously on the company instead of the other way around, where a company just creates stuff and then it it it's kind of parallel to the to the relationship with the salesperson instead of being one thing. Sure. Now to do that, I always see companies that are successful really know well i mean this is where the the the, the nuance and the strategic nature of marketing is, is so important because to do that properly we have to know what we're all about what we're selling what the value is and what the story is what our mission is right uh, and again i that 
if that's not in place, then it kind of becomes the enabling salespeople to kind of be micro marketers, as you put it. It becomes a disparate kind of fractured thing. I mean, would you agree with that? That it's important to have your your mission, your values, your purpose down as a company before you and and unleash your sales force to market on their own. Yeah, you need to have a much closer relationship with your salespeople. You cannot just do like a quarterly sales meeting where you hand over some marketing material. This needs to be an ongoing uh, an ongoing thing where a salesperson. Uh, you know, the whole story of closed-loop marketing. Uh, people have been talking about it for a long time, but it's mm. it's still not really happening. Um, there's some there's some great tools out there, like um, we have our, um, our uh, local colleagues, let's say Showpads, and they have this, uh, this uh, content activation platform, they call it, where you can track uh, the content all the way down to the salespeople and the customers. And this is really helping, uh, but... It only really works uh, when also marketing and salespeople work together and take this kind of loop seriously. Yeah. Now, you know what? I agree with that. And I'm curious about you because you mentioned marketing automation and how mature it's become over the last 10 years uh, and some of the fantastic things that we're doing in the marketing side of the equation. But I'm, I'm wondering if that is potentially part of the reason why the humanity of sales has kind of been... Uh, decreased, right? Because everything has become so automated with the way we're connecting with our would-be customers when they convert in our site and we're now nurturing them as a lead. I mean, it, do you think that's part of it that, that, you know, marketing automation for as great as it's been has also come with the the unwanted consequence of creating a bubble around who we are and who our customers are? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just actually yeah. kind of thinking that through. Totally. But I'm wondering what you think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, 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 um, I believe that uh, to a certain extent, salespeople need to take the lead again here because basically marketing is is uh, automating salespeople away, uh, but not always in the right ways. Um, there is a part that salespeople can automate much better than than marketing people can, uh, and it's this part where where you where you have the actual relationship. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on in a in a in a in a general manner where you communicate lo to lots of people at the same time, um, but there's this uh, there's this overlapping part um, where salespeople do do one-on-one -on -one relationships, um, and 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 marketing automation is co coming too far into into this direction. Uh, sales automation hasn't really taken off, and is not really um, not really taking the lead in that space yet, which is hurting I think the the sales marketing relationship. And the relationship with the customers in a in a certain way. Yeah, well, let's talk about that just for a little bit, right? About the relationship with the customer, because I also have seen a shift over the last, I want to say probably five years. I think it's been more recent, where especially as SaaS has become more commonplace and everybody understands what monthly recurring revenue is and churn rate and things like that. Where about ten years ago, maybe there were newer terms. The salesperson seems to be, become much more important to the customer satisfaction, not just during the implementation phase, but really ongoing. In other words, back again, I'm, I've been around a little bit longer and licensed software, you had a sales force and all they did was take the business down and move on to the next. And then you had an entire implementation and services team, right? And, and maybe on the big deals, the sales guy or gal was still involved with the um, account, but they probably were because it was another person to sell them maintenance and upgrades and things like that. That model's really disappeared as SaaS has become more mature. I mean, do you think that part of this 
uh, requires, a sales automation requires the salesperson to be more involved with the success of the customer after they actually you know, sign up for the subscription or whatever it might be? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so in, 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 in SaaS, uh, mostly uh, what matters most is that as a salesperson, you have insight into um, how customers are using the product, uh, whether they're using it well or not. And, and, and that you're assisting. And this is only possible if, if there's a lot of data fed to the salesperson um, and that the salesperson can also track the customer uh, throughout all the channels. Um, a salesperson needs to be much more of a, um, a data-driven um, relationship builder, uh, not necessarily inputting data. Um, we're totally against that. Um, but 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 based on data, um, and in SaaS that's easiest then because you have a product and you you can you can meticulously track everything and it goes through channels. Uh, if you would look at our um, at our tracking methods, it's it's really really extensive. Uh, but also in other businesses, uh, you can go quite far in this kind of things. Uh, you could you could bring together all the sales marketing channels in one place. Um, and and show it to the salesperson how he's doing here and there, um, showing everything about the customer so that he can really manage a close relationship. You know, as you were speaking there, I, I love that data-driven relationship builder. That's really quite good. And I, you know, again, the triggers that would suggest to me as a salesperson that. Again, I, I, the, the, the compensation metric is, is always an equation here as well. Because again, larger companies, they have to care about the compensation model because a lot of times that's what drives their top performers. But I also find that top performers are going to, no matter what the compensation is, the top performers are going to exploit that model to increase their, uh, their yeah. top line, right? I mean, that's just how good Sales they are. Sales people, right? That's right, that's right. So <laughs> I... I I, I, what can we do? Because I think that's like a that's like a second stage in this sort of approach, right? Where hey, let's get the relationship building down, so it's a it's a priority for us as an organization or even as a solopreneur. But then, what are the things and what are the triggers that we ought to be on the lookout for that are that maybe alert us to when an account is in danger, or maybe there's a new opportunity for expanding license use, things like that. I mean, what are the, because again, I don't know that salespeople have been in tune with those as much, but certainly today's world, they, they certainly can be. So what do you think those triggers are? And I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'm just curious what you That's might think it would be. Yeah, I mean, it depends on your business. Huh? Um, if you would if you'd look, at, look at the sales pipeline itself, in the, in the sense of before you close a deal, um, we build some of these things into our software. You can, for instance, see whether a customer is hot. Uh, that that's depending on the amount of interactions he has with your with your emails, opens, clicks, website visits, the um, intensity of the communication, all this kind of stuff. Uh, this is a good trigger. I mean, I mean a good a good um, not trigger um, indicator. A trigger, a good way of seeing whether whether things are going well or not. Um, then another thing is. Uh, Amount of days of inactivity. Um, this is something that we also built reminders in our system that when when a deal is inactive for a few days, you see it. And we also have a, a, a home screen basically shows at, at this moment at least we're going to rework it. Uh, now it shows um, which deals are slipping, and so which deals you need to work on and how long it's been mm. that they're they're slipping. Yeah. Um, 
these are good uh, ways to look at it. And what else? I mean, for a SaaS thing, again, it's it's really easy. Huh? So you just see whether they're using it, how they're using it. Um, in general, I guess you could. There's, there's every company has a as a way of 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 customers interacting with their product. A certain cadence you can you can find, uh, and if the cadence starts um, starts changing, then you can you can expect customers to churn. Um, there's a lot of big data companies uh, focusing on, on exactly this, like for instance for telecom companies, uh, to see when when customers will churn. Hmm. Now you're right. Again, it's 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 fascinating because there's so much more flexibility with all that data. But if we don't have the discipline in place, if there's the problem, for instance, I, and actually I want to kind of turn this uh, conversation over to your content for a second because I, I keep an eye on the content you produce. You know, I the way we've come to know each other is we we uh, we did some content together for your site. And what I found interesting about that, and I'm going to get to your your piece you wrote recently on LinkedIn. But what I love about your content is you're taking a very uh, What's the right word? You're really not. You're doing a very natural job of educating people about the things that matter when you're trying to get a little bit more disciplined about your sales process, right? And for instance, when you did uh, our discussion, you know, I don't use your tool, uh, but you even shared with me at the end of the post, hey, here's what Joel's using. Here's what he uses, right? So the post became much more, much more about. Hey, here are the things that are important to drive your sales process. If you're a small company or a solopreneur, uh, and here's the things that matter. So it was almost like, a, hey, don't, we'd love you to use our tool. You don't have to, but here's the the most important thing, right? I mean, and then again, recently you wrote a uh, pipeline 101 piece on LinkedIn, which I thought was quite good because it was if someone is on their own or starting up a business and they're at the that inflection point where selling is going to be critical, the lifeblood of what they're doing, they might not know where to get started on the pipeline. Now, is that a conscious decision for you guys as far as your process for educating? And how much patience do we need to have to build those educational pieces uh, until we turn it into subscribers? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I want to give credit for that post to my colleague, Jill, because I didn't write it. Uh, but um, what you're saying is correct. The, what we see is when we put people on the software is that lots of people um, are not super educated in the sales space, it's especially if we go to smaller companies and startups. Um, there's a lot of education to be done as to what is possible. Um, there's so many things possible nowadays that, that it's... People, people just don't know. Even, even, even we are discovering every day that new things are possible to make sales go more effectively, more automated. Um, and what we're trying to do as much as possible is to to educate our customers and potential customers um, around how you can sell better. Uh, and that's why we do this kind of posts. Um, it's, yeah. It's no. it's we think it's really needed, um, and we do basic stuff as well. I think the post you're referring to is Sales Pipelines 101. Yes. We often get the question, "What is a qualified lead?" and then and then we 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 explain that because one of the the, the like the the um, the stages that is predefined in the software, you can change them, eh? but it's, it's qualified, and then people are like, "What is qualified?" Uh, yeah. 
And we explain that because if you don't get what uh, qualifying a lead means, you are spending so much time on the wrong leads. Yes, um, I love that. But then right, we make that, blog yeah. posts about that. Yeah, but that's look, I, that's why I like the content, right? Because you are, I think good content starts with a selfless kind of nature. So does it help Salesflare? Sure, because you have more successful users, right? But first and foremost, it helps those you look to serve. And I think that, that's a big difference. I think it differentiates, you know, quality content. So listen, Jeroen, let me, uh, I'm going to kind of leave it right there. I want to encourage people to check out uh, some of the things you guys are producing and also the tools. So help my listeners understand how they can learn more about you and about Salesflare. Yeah, they can just go to, uh, for, the, for the blog, it's blog.salesflare.com. Salesflare is sales and then flare like, the, like a flare, like light, F-L-A-R-E, uh, .com. And for the website, it's, it's salesflare.com. Um, and um, yeah, you can you can start a trial of, of the software on, on the website easily. Just click on, on free CRM trial. Um, if it's a Gmail account uh, or Office 365, but we're working on that a bit, uh, it's really easy. You just type your email address, you say connect, and it starts working from there. Um, so basically at that moment, it syncs your mailbox. It's, uh, you can connect your calendar and it uh, it all, it all, um, it's all explained to you uh, how it works. Um, and if you need any any help, we are there. Um, my colleague Levin will usually send you an email right away. If you just respond to that, you can uh, you can ask anything you want. You can help get help with the data import. We help you even with setting up all the integrations if you like. Like uh, we usually do that with Zapier, uh, if you know that. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Very Roll good. Roll Very good. Again, it's salesflare.com, so go ahead and check that yeah. out. And you're in. I really appreciate what you're doing. I love the approach you're taking. And again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be with me today on Reading Matters. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Yeah.